0: Thank you to the worship team for leading us so beautifully and powerfully this morning into the presence of Jesus and he is with us. So thank you for your welcome to me this morning. I'm beginning to feel part of you now. I think this is the maybe third or fourth time I have been invited to preach and it is a great privilege to preach from the word this morning to you. Thank you for your welcome to me and to my husband Athol. We have come from Williamstown this morning, a lovely drive over the bridge on a rather grey morning after a very hot day yesterday, wasn't it? I have known Pastor Argus and Lillian for many years and have mentored Ruth over recent years. Now, the theme that I chose to speak on this morning came from my daily Bible reading recently. God's gracious hand is on you. God's gracious hand is on you. And we have already sung about that this morning. It is an appropriate theme for your church as you remember and acknowledge God's grace to you through the history of your church and through recent times. And it's also appropriate for each one of you in your personal life. Alvin drew our attention at the start of the service to reflecting on the past year, looking to the year ahead. And it is that time of the year when we can do that. And for each one of you to acknowledge as you reflect how God's gracious hand is upon you. His grace is on you. His grace is on all of us this morning. His grace is on this church. There are many references in the Bible to the hand of God Jesus used his hands to touch people in healing. He raised the daughter of Jairus, one of the synagogue rulers, after she had died. He used his hands to bless children. We read about that in Mark 10. And Paul writes to Timothy, reminding him to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you, through the laying on of my hands, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. And then when you read the book of Acts, you will see many references to the Holy Spirit being imparted through the laying on of hands. But the reference to the gracious hand of God is from the story of Ezra in the book of Ezra in the Old Testament. So, we're going back in history to reflect on today. We'll have a look at the story of Ezra and then consider what God is saying through this story to you as a church and to each one of you personally. And in my preparation to preach today, I prayed that there would be encouragement and challenge for the church and for each one of you personally. So before we begin to hear the story of Ezra, I invite you to pray with me. Loving God, as we've sung our praise to you this morning, we want to thank you for the gift of your grace in Jesus. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, crucified, resurrected, alive forevermore and with us today. And as we hear from this old story of Ezra, may we not just hear it as something that happened so long ago but something that speaks to us today. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak into our hearts with your word for us today. We invite you to speak to this church, this church that the Father loves and holds. Thank you, God, that your gracious hand is ever upon us in Jesus name Amen so a little background before hearing the Bible passage from the book of Ezra it is about a community making a fresh start and describes the resettlement of the Hebrew people in their homeland after their long exile in Babylon for about 70 years so we hear about them returning to Jerusalem. Ezra was a scribe and a priest, a descendant of Aaron, who was a brother of Moses. He was trained in the knowledge of God's law while he lived in captivity in Babylon during the exile. And during the reign of Artaxerxes, who was the king of Persia, the king commissioned Ezra to return to Jerusalem to bring order among the people of the new community. Now, that's an interesting fact because King Artaxerxes was not a believer in God. He was a pagan king, but God put it into his heart to enable this to happen. So this is about 450 to 500 years before the birth of Jesus. Ezra must have been really favoured by the king because the king gave him a royal letter giving him authority and finances to furnish the temple for worship when he and the group with him arrived back in Jerusalem. The temple had already been rebuilt by the returned captives about 70 years previously. So that's a little bit, a brief summary of that history of how the people in exile in Babylon then returned to Jerusalem. So we come to the Bible reading, Ezra 7, verses 6 to 11, which I will read for you. This Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher well versed in the law of moses which the lord the god of israel had given the king had granted him everything he asked for the hand of the lord his god was on him some of the israelites including priests levites musicians gatekeepers and temple servants also came up to jerusalem in the seventh year Of king Artaxerxes Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king he had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month for the gracious hand of his God was on him For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. This is a copy of the letter King Artaxerxes had given to Ezra the priest, a teacher of the law, a man learned in matters concerning the commands and decrees of the Lord for Israel." And if you want to read the letter, you can go to Ezra 7. Maybe you can read that later today and see this uh, letter of authority that was given to Ezra by the king. So... We're told Ezra was a skilled scribe and teacher with extensive study and training in the books of the law. Now, the books of the law were the first five books, as we know, in the Old Testament. Of course, they didn't have as what was the Old Testament as we know it today. But they had the law from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Ezra faced the challenge of leading the return journey to Jerusalem and he led a company of about 5,000 people on this hazardous journey for about four months. Imagine that, 5,000 people, a hazardous trek for four months while carrying money and precious objects which would be used to furnish the temple for worship. When Ezra arrived in Jerusalem with a group of exiles, it was about 60 years, 60 to 70 years after the temple had been rebuilt. And so Ezra's mission, we heard about your mission before as a church, but Ezra's mission, the purpose God gave him, was to lead his people to restore the law of God in their hearts by paying attention to the reading of the law. So the law can be regarded as a body of commandments that sit there and we know them and we obey them. Ezra's mission was to get the law into the hearts of the people where people obey the law of the Lord because it is in their heart, not just from a written document. Ezra was respected by the ruling Persians, but he was also, first of all, devoted to God and the high standards of commitment. And through it all, Ezra lived with a strong sense of God's guidance in his life, a strong sense of God guiding him. And the theme of guidance is expressed in the number of verses in Ezra about the gracious hand of God. In Ezra chapters 7 and 8, you will hear that mentioned, the gracious hand of God, six times. And we're going to look at those. Because the hand of God was on Ezra for provision, presence, power, praise, protection, and prayer all of those things God's gracious hand expressed to Ezra through those aspects and as we focus on each aspect I want you to consider how you see that expressed in the life of and history of your church and how you see them being lived out in your own life that's the personal challenge so First of all, provision, Ezra 7, verse 6. The king gave him everything he asked for because the gracious hand of God was on him. A pagan king giving Ezra everything he asked for because God's gracious hand was on him. Everything that was needed for worship in the temple when they arrived in Jerusalem was provided. God's presence in Ezra 7 verse 9, he had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month, four months later, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. God's presence was with Ezra and the whole company of people who journeyed to Jerusalem from Babylon. God's power and praise in Ezra 7, 27 and 28. Ezra praises God in these words. Praise be to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who has put it into the king's heart to bring honour to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way and who has extended his good favour to me before the king and his advisers and all the king's powerful officials. Because the hand of the Lord my God was on me, I took courage and gathered leaders from Israel to go up with me. Ezra, praising God, because he acknowledges God's gracious hand on him and he relies on God for courage in the face of fear. We sang about that earlier. God's provision in Ezra 8, 18, because the gracious hand of our God was on us, they brought us Sherebiah, a capable man, from the descendants of Mali, son of Levi, the son of Israel, and Sherubiah's sons and brothers, 18 men. Ezra trusts God for assistance in recruiting workers for the task. He built a team because God's gracious hand was on him. God's protection and prayer in Ezra 8, 22 and 23. So Ezra says, For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us and he heard our prayer. Ezra was a man of prayer and faith, earnest prayer. And then God's protection in Ezra 8. On the 12th day of the first month, we set out from the Ahava Canal to go to Jerusalem. The hand of our God was on us and he protected us from from enemies and bandits along the way. So we arrived in Jerusalem where we rested three days. So Ezra and the whole company of 5,000 people on their journey back to Jerusalem experienced God's protection. In dangerous situations they could have been attacked and money and their precious objects stolen but they were protected because they had fasted and prayed and believed in God's protection so six times in those two chapters Ezra seven and eight we hear about the hand of the Lord being upon them Ezra relies on God for help, for courage, for assistance, for assurance, and for protection, and God does not fail him. But you know, Ezra did his part. He did his part in learning all that he could about the ways of the Lord from the books of the law. He was obedient to reading And studying the law and knowing what God required we see through the experience of Ezra how God worked in their circumstances even in captivity in exile God was working for their good and he accomplished his purposes even through kings who were pagan God sovereign over those circumstances, ruling in authority over the church and over you. So what is God saying through this story to the praise centre church? I want you to think about that. God wants to reassure you and strengthen you as a church by reminding you of how his gracious hand has guided you right from the planting of this church through to today, some 30 years about, isn't it, or more about that. He brought this church into being because he planted it in Pastor Argus's heart. And through the ministry and leadership of Pastor Argus, with support from Churches of Christ, people have worshipped in this church for many years. You stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before. You are the body of Christ, his church, the church he loves. And the church is more than this building. Yet the building is also a means of God's grace. And it stands in a prominent place in this city on a major road. A prominent place. And the church has grown and witnessed God's faithfulness in guiding the leadership. You have been led faithfully and prayerfully with grace and commitment by Pastor Argus supported by the leadership team, Lillian, Ruth, Rebecca and Jimmy. They need your prayer and encouragement. Can you see God's provision in this? Provision of a church, provision of a building, provision of a pastor, provision of leaders. God's provision to praise Centre Church god knows your need you may not know the complete future of the church but god knows and his gracious hand is on you so what are you grateful for as you think about your involvement in this church what are you grateful for give thanks to god for that today Can you identify when the gracious hand of God has been upon this church? Give thanks to God for it. And God has not finished his work through you and in you. And he has a vision for this church that calls each one of you to engage your mind, your heart, your gifts, all that has been invested in you for the cause of the gospel the good news of God's loving, living presence in Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected and with you today, among you, through the Holy Spirit. Your vision on your website says to be an international and multi-generational church, trained, motivated, And mobilized to share the gospel to the lost and make disciples your mission to love God and help people follow Jesus as I thought about the words in the vision I thought you know they apply to Ezra Ezra was trained motivated and mobilized And your vision captures that. And right through scripture you will see where God has placed his gracious hand on people to train them, to motivate them, to mobilise them to help people know God and to love Jesus. A Christ-centred, Christ-honouring church and his gracious hand is on you. God's provision presence power praise protection and prayer can be seen in the work of his grace among you praise center church and now what is god saying to you personally today because this story just doesn't sit in the bible it has relevance today to the church and to each one of you. Whatever your circumstances are today, know that you are loved by God. And hear the Psalmist's tribute from Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. for darkness is as light to you we thought about how at the end of the year and the beginning of a new year it is good to stop and reflect personally on the year that has passed where and when have you been aware of the presence of god with you guiding you and leading you through 2022 Could you affirm God's gracious hand is on me? You may remember achievements, failures, celebrations, memorable moments, new opportunities, family experiences, and there are likely to be challenges that you recall. And it's good practice to be aware of these experiences and to resolve as you go into 2023, To walk closely with the Lord. You can use this time to reaffirm your faith commitment. You know, one of the things that helped Ezra to be aware of God's gracious hand is that he took the word of God seriously. Now, he didn't have it in a Bible like we have it today. But it was recorded in scrolls. He studied it, learned it, taught it. It was part of him. And it is echoed in Jesus' words when he was tempted in the wilderness to turn stones into bread and he said, in Jesus' words, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Devoting yourself to reading the Bible regularly is not going to save you from challenges, but it will strengthen you for each moment and enable you to have a different perspective on the difficult times that you go through. God does not abandon you in difficult times. I wanna share a personal uh, story, just a short story with you. The earliest memory that I have of my dear father would have been when I was about three or four. I remember my dad holding his Bible at home as he prepared to preach. He was a Churches of Christ minister. He died a couple of years ago. And I had the privilege of being with him in the last days of his life, as his life on earth was drawing to a close and I read passages from the Bible to him and he was very quiet and one of the nurses on duty at the aged care facility where he lived said every time I come into this room there is a beautiful atmosphere of peace. That was the presence of Jesus through the reading of the word, the presence of Jesus giving peace, the fruit of reading God's word and allowing it to fill the place. And for for my father, it wasn't just hearing the word at the age of 96, he knew the word from a young child and he studied it and he loved it. And I'm so grateful that he passed on his love of the word to me. And it can be like that for you too. I have come to appreciate and value the way that the word of God comes to me at the right time. It has been gathered in my heart over many years and it becomes a reservoir of strength and peace, not of my own making. It comes through the Holy Spirit bringing these words to life. And the Holy Spirit will do that for you too. So that I know whatever challenges I have experienced, God has been with me and will continue to be with me because he tells me that in here. His presence gives peace. How is it with you? Do you know God's provision, presence, power, praise, protection and prayer in your life? God might be speaking to you right now, asking you to take a first step or a deeper step in your relationship with him. If that is your if that is the case, speak to Pastor Argus today or one of the leaders or your life group leader. Don't waste the opportunity to draw closer to Jesus. And so as I finish, can I encourage you as a church today and each one of you personally to trust that God's grace is available for every situation you go through. Seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Be people of faith, commitment and prayer take these words into your heart and into your life god's gracious hand is upon you and the last word will be from jesus remember i am with you always to the end of the age Amen.